Welcome back to another episode of the Academics Podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. I'm super excited about this episode. I love this conversation I had with Elena Gleason from TBWA Shia Day. Elena is a junior strategist with lots of experience in advertising and PR. She's really knowledgeable in the industry as a whole, and her passion for strategy is very apparent in everything she says and does. I myself took in some of her advice, and I'm sure many of you will too. So TBWA Shia Day is a full-service advertising agency based in Los Angeles, California. It's the American division of TBWA Worldwide, which is a global network. It is part of the Publicist Omnicom Group which owns a multitude of agencies around the world. Once the agency on record for Apple, TBWA Shia Day is now championing the services of Netflix, Airbnb, and Nissan. This agency is not to be confused with the sister company, TBWA Shia Day New York. Now, TBWA Shia Day has a rich history of powerful, groundbreaking, disruptive advertising. It was founded in 1968 after a merger between Jay Shiat and Associates and Faust Day Advertising. Guy Day became president over the flip of a coin, and that fast and loose attitude has been a calling card of the agency ever since. They're the kind of ad agency that the late Steve Jobs and Apple wanted to do business with. It's a creative, unapologetic attitude that commands respect and tells you instantly that this is no ordinary agency. And when you step inside the building, that becomes even more evident. The architecture is unique with trees, park benches, and even a full basketball court in the center of the agency. Their other clients include Gatorade, the Grammys, QuickBooks, Buffalo Wild Wings, and many more. The interview took place at the agency's office here in the Playa Vista neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. Without further ado, enjoy. Elena? Elena. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Elena. What's up, everyone? I'm here with Elena Gleason from TBWA Shia Day. Elena, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, Can you just start by giving the listeners a quick introduction of yourself, who you are, what you do? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name's Elena Gleason. I'm originally from the Chicago suburbs, but now I'm down in sunny L.A. I am a junior strategist at Shiat Day, and I work on three primary accounts. Principal, which is a retirement investments and insurance company, the Grammys and the Recording Academy, and Supercuts. So I've been here for about seven months and I've just really enjoyed my ride here as it's my first role at a creative agency. We'll go into my background, I think, a little bit later, but that's just a little bit about me. Perfect, so as a junior strategist, what exactly is that? What do you do? Yeah, so being a junior strategist is being the absolute foundation for the strategy team, whether that's supplying new perspectives, research, or opportunities to the team that the brand could capitalize on, or if it's suggesting content or communication strategies, creating briefs or analyzing data. I really do collaborate and work with multifaceted groups within the agency, whether it's the data team, the copy and ad directors themselves, or other strategy team members. So I pretty much have to be really extensively knowledgeable on our brand and our category and just the client in general. That's a lot of work. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. So <laughs> it's what, a lot of fun. Of everything you just listed, like what's your favorite part? Definitely writing the briefs. Writing the briefs? Yeah, because okay. it starts out as a really abstract idea, mm-hmm. but it's all supplied and fueled by fact, which is, I think, really powerful because you're essentially creating something from an innate human behavior or a truth that you've found through that research and then expanding upon it with art. Yeah. And advertising at its core is art. 
Um, and so I think it's it's really cool to be an influence in that or have a hand in creating the foundation of the creative structure for a campaign. Mm-hmm. So I've really enjoyed yeah. being able to write the briefs. So someone told me before that not being the closest thing you can get to being a creative without being a creative is through strategy. Would you agree from your experience? I would definitely agree with that just because we're kind of seen as the middlemen between account and creative. We really have our hands in all the cookie jars, meaning that we are really influential in data and we know a lot about our subjects, but we're also the starting off point for the creative team. Part of our job is creating thought starters for them mm-hmm. so that they can see the different ways in into this white space that we're essentially going to own. It's kind of like giving them information to help them create the campaign that they wouldn't normally have insight into. So if it's even just a small fact or something that a new perspective could inform them with, then it's it's definitely on our way to being <laughs> a creative. Okay. Well, what would you say is your least favorite part about it? Least favorite part about being a strategist? Yeah. The, what's your least favorite task that you regularly have to do? Yeah. Okay. I love my job, so it's kind of hard. Yeah. But... I'd say that after the campaign launches, we are given measurement, results, metrics, how the performance of the campaign actually did. And I think just the overwhelming amount of data that comes back and Mm -hmm. being able to digest it and then optimize our campaigns to match those numbers is probably my least favorite part, just because I'm so heavy on the ideation and brainstorming that I wish I could just live in the abstract land of idea creation all the time, but unfortunately we do have to yeah. <laughs> drive business objectives and relate that back to the overall benefit of the client. So just having to re-engage with our campaign in a way that is really looking at how well we've done and where we can take it in the future is not always the most fun, but it is really cool to see how you move the needle with a brand or in a category itself. Okay, definitely. So I feel like we just moved really fast. So I kind of want to back it up to um, college. I I know you studied advertising and media sales, right? Yes. So was did you always have in mind that you wanted to work at an advertising agency, or is this just kind of where you ended up? No, I always knew I wanted to be at an agency. Uh I've never really had the desire to go client side. But I definitely feel since I studied advertising as my major in college that they teach you to pursue an agency. Um, I'd say that it's not everything that we're told to do, but it's definitely suggested to get our feet wet in an agency, whether it's big or small. And Shiat specifically was one that I'd known about just through studying the work in college. And so, I mean, I'm not sure if you've seen the 1984 Apple commercial but that was always played in our big lectures. And I was like, I want to work there someday. Just got to gotta work my way up, got to get there. But it was always a dream. Um, and so I think it's really cool realizing that I've gone to that point. And there's only going up and, and improving from here. Yeah. So, yes, always agency. Just not <laughs> sure where I'd actually land. Yeah. So while you were in school, did you, were, did you participate in any extracurriculars, any groups? Yeah, so I was in AAF, which is the American Advertising Federation. It's quite a mouthful. And then I was also in a case marketing competition through AMA, which is American Marketing Association. Surprised I actually remember all these acronyms. (laughs) (laughs) But 
I was really involved with the national student advertising competition and then just having that simulation of a real life agency team I think was pretty special just because it was the closest thing to actually being in the agency setting. Yeah. Um, I met a ton of really cool people there, which I think a lot of people forget to network with their peers because eventually they're going to become your coworkers or even your superiors. And it's really awesome to look out at my LinkedIn network or just updates I get on Instagram from people and see where they've landed and how far they've come in such a short amount of time. I've only been graduated for two years, so it's kind of crazy and also really exciting to see what can be accomplished in that time frame. Okay. Um, so prior to coming here, I, I know you did a bunch of internships. Yes. So I, I want to ask you about those and those experience experiences and how they've helped you. Um, yeah. So let's start with initiative. Initiative was my first full-time job. Okay. So well. not an internship. So if we want to back it up, probably like three years, I've had a variety of internships from media sales to an ad assistant at a regional newspaper and then also at an experiential agency. Okay, which one was that? Jack Morton. Oh, that's That Jack was Morton. my first strategy internship. In San Francisco, right? Yeah, in San Francisco. So how was that? Um, I lived in not the nicest part of town mm -hmm. and I walked 45 minutes to work every single day. But my favorite part of being at Jack is that we... Well, first of all, I had an incredible mentor. She's instilled in me such confidence and such bravery to go after my dreams, but also took the time every single week to teach me something new about strategy that I wouldn't have had access to in such a real setting. She gave me my own projects that I eventually got to present up to our lead strategy director, which was really cool. Yeah. But then I also got to collaborate with the other interns and we created a entire pitch deck for Twitch, which is the game streaming platform. And we got to present that to senior leadership and they actually set up a new business meeting with Twitch mm. using our work. Oh wow. So it was definitely a place where I felt valued, but also where I got to really grow my skills. Okay. Uh, so you worked in San Francisco for a, l a little bit of time? Three months. Three months. How would you say that the San Francisco ad scene differs from the LA ad scene? That's a really good question. San Francisco is very tech heavy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because they call <laughs> it Silicon Valley. But while I was there, I was like working on clients like Facebook and Docker. And Docker is basically a storage system in the cloud. But I mean, in 2017, the cloud was a relatively new concept. And LA is all about entertainment. While I've been here, I've worked on, um, well at Shiat, I've worked on the Grammys, which has been a phenomenal experience. But then at Initiative, which was my first full-time job in LA after mm -hmm. I was finished in San Francisco, I landed that opportunity out here. I actually worked on the Amazon account, which was anything from Alexa to Prime Video, which was really cool because I got to be a part of launching some of their new programs. Yeah, okay. Um, how did you like the experiential thing? Are you, is that something that you're still interested in? Yeah, I think what's so fascinating about experiential is that it can really come to life in every form of campaign. Mm -hmm. A client should really be thinking in that 360 degree realm in that it shouldn't just live the campaign itself on TV or even on social media. And I think that people these days are so hungry for physical things that they can touch and go experience in real life. And that's the beauty of holding an event is because it gives you that door to get off the internet and take your conversations face to face, which mm -hmm. is something I think that we're both lacking, but also needing. 
in today's age. So it's really cool um, when I think about how I'm going to approach a strategy or a campaign, I'm always thinking of how it can live or come to life in various mediums. Because ultimately, if an idea or a strategy is good enough, it should be able to live in various ways. Okay, so you've held a bunch of different positions in your short career. Yes. Um, so I have to ask you this question because I know you're obviously a strategic thinker. Um, how do you approach um, applying for positions? And how have you been so successful landing these positions? Yeah, I'd say that, well, success, not sure, <laughs> but lucky, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, when you are applying to positions, I'd say disregard the title mm -hmm. and read the description because any skill that's in that description that matches with something you're passionate about can be transferred to strategy later on. Not everybody has a stereotypical path or a traditional path where they start in strategy from the very beginning. And so I think it's really important that you're gaining, 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 wow, <laughs> experience that is going to relate to something you're working on in the future, not just going for a title that seems pretty on paper. Um, so I'd say that even internships in my past experiences have all contributed to that. I can speak to each one of them confidently that has helped me succeed in Shiat and <laughs> in my past. Yeah, okay, so speaking of Shiat, let's bring it back. Sure. You mentioned you work on the Grammys. What type of work have you done on the Grammys without getting into detail? Yeah, yeah. So I came into the Grammys when it was like hot off the press. Mm -hmm. uh, I started at Shia in January of 2019, so earlier this year, and the Grammys are held in February. So I walked in at a time when strategy was fully baked, the creative concepting was almost finished, we were moving into production. And you can actually find this on YouTube because I got to be a part of the communications planning for our evolving music video, which is a concept that we developed with a rising Grammy star. She was nominated um, LMA, and she actually won this year. And with her, we teamed up with her to create the first ever evolving music video, which means that she and our production studio broke apart the fundamentals of her song and recreated them in a way that would be completely unique so that whenever fans would engage with the video, it would change. So at first, LMA is singing a cappella. She's in black and white. It's very cinematography-driven. Um, but then once we reached, like say, 10,000 views, the music video was changed out. So it was portrayed in color. She had a full band behind her. She changed her outfit. And it was really cool to see the engagement from the community actually affect something in real life. Um, and so the strategy behind that was really cool, and I got to be a part of pretty much solidifying that out in the media world. Um, but then I actually got to attend the Grammys, oh. which was insane, because nice. I was like, I've been here for four weeks. What did I do <laughs> to deserve this? Yeah. Um, but it was really cool to go there and see the production that we were working on in the flesh, mm -hmm. because it just kind of reinvigorates you to think about how people are perceiving your your client, your brand, and your project while they're there, and those that can't be there and how they're experiencing it at, at home. So it just kind of evolves your perspective and, and gives you that wider lens for when you're creating things in the future. Mm -hmm. and right now we're actually, we just kicked off our planning for 2020 Grammys, which I mean, that's like seven months in advance, <laughs> but it takes time to create a cr campaign and, and see what we're gonna develop. 
Okay. I'm curious about supercuts. Like, I, when I think of advertising, I don't really think of supercuts. Um, is yeah. a brand who like invests heavily in, in advertising. Um, so, like, what type of stuff do they do, and what have you done for them? Yeah. So, supercuts is a really fun client because they're a more traditional brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, supercuts, for those of you who don't know, is a value salon uh, in the same competitive set as like a Great Clips or a Sport Clips. And to be honest, I walked into it right when we were fresh on the account. We just won the business last fall. So it was a really exciting time and they were seeking a rebrand. So what's so special about Supercuts is that they are willing to take a risk. And we actually just put out a brand new campaign called The Bald Spokesman in earlier in July, so earlier this month. Mm-hmm. And it stars Michael Kelly and he essentially preaches to not take your hair for granted because he's bald. So who appreciates his hair more than a bald guy? So essentially it's saying, you know, if you love your hair and you care about your hair, you'll take it to Supercuts because we're gonna treat your hair with respect and love. And it was a really cool thing to be a part of because it was such a diverse campaign, meaning it had a television commercial, it had radio, Hispanic radio. It's also on social media, so we got to develop an entirely social driven campaign strategy which I've never been a part of yeah so it was a really fun one to be involved with okay um, so as a, a strategy person um, how far along in the project do you guys stick around ideally the entire way the entire so, way. yeah okay um, I feel like the misconception is that we'll just deliver a brief and then we're kind of kicked out of the room or we'd say hands off no <laughs> more but that's really not true especially not here at Shiat. Um, so when we're brought in from the very beginning, we create that foundation and those roots for creatives to jump off from. And then we are in the room when they present their first creative concepts. So we'll have a couple internal reviews before a client even sees anything, which is really awesome because we get to see it grow and expand from first ideas into what actually runs on TV or is seen in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, And then beyond that, we're always sending over supplemental research material that could help them flesh out their ideas or add to something that might uh, inspire something new. And then even when, like I was saying before, when the campaign's even wrapped, strategy is right there at the forefront, diving into the data, optimizing the campaign, and reporting back to the client on what worked, what didn't, and what we can do in the future. Okay. So what's, what's your average day like at work? What time do you come in? A loaded question. (laughs) It is. But like, Average day, I'd say I probably get into the office around 8.30, make a chai tea latte. I've actually mastered not making my coffee taste like dishwater, which (laughs) has been really hard. (laughs) But from there, I mean, it could be anything. I've had days where I've had to go off-site to hold focus groups or ethnography interviews, which is really cool because I get to talk to people Mm -hmm. all day and sometimes be on camera and record it. Um, to creating target audience profiles for a deck we're going to be presenting or even exploring different cultural themes and things that are going on in the world that we could potentially capitalize on as a brand or join in on a conversation. So it's really seeing what's going on in the landscape, seeing where opportunities lie, and then it could be something even as pulling what our audience is over-indexed for in Simmons, which is a research database. So there's a lot of different things I could be doing day-to-day. Um, yeah, I'd say that no two days are ever the same. I probably leave the office around six. My team really prioritizes work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I think that Shiat is rare in that regard because I think they realize that having a life outside of work influences your work here. 
you're really able to dive into new worlds, explore your passions, and then translate that back to your work environment here. And I think that that's really special and something that I really value. And even through that, I've been able to learn and influence my work in such a more intelligent way. Okay. Um, so in terms of your current team, yes. how big is your team? How is it structured? How many people are in it? Yeah, so the strategy department as a whole is about 30 people. Mm -hmm. um, so that includes data strategists and content strategists, which are very different than brand and communication strategists. And our department's really unique because everybody has different interests, different perspectives. Not everybody is a traditional ad background, which is really cool. We have people on our teams who are inexperiential or they were journalists or they were managers at a retail company for a while before they came over here. And I just think that that's really fascinating because they have something new to contribute and a different way of looking at the world. But in terms of my immediate team, so I'm the junior strategist and then I directly report into an associate director of strategy and she's phenomenal. She shares the same enthusiasm that I do for strategy and creativity. So I'm always feeling really empowered and, and encouraged to push work beyond the obvious or outside of its limits or restrictions that people think that they have to set on it. And that's absolutely not true. You can really reach for the stars in strategy and, and really try to push the work to be as best as it can be. Mm -hmm. And I think that she does a really good job of supporting my opinions and my voice and I just really look up to her. But yeah, it's just the two of us on our three accounts. And I think that with that, we've learned our strengths, our weaknesses, who's good at what, and how we can balance out the work to make it the best it can be. And I think that's really cool. Okay, you just mentioned um, strengths and weaknesses. What yeah. type of strengths do you think are needed to be a good strategist? Sure. So strengths-wise, I'd say that you always have to be thinking creatively on your feet because we are responsible for supplying those initial ideas to the creative teams. But I think you also have to be able to think with, I guess, versatility because you need to be able to relate ideas that may not, dis that may not connect all the time to a cohesive campaign. And if it's not fueled or supported by research, you have to make it become that. And I think that it's challenging sometimes to take something that's so abstract or so different and make it relevant to brands. Mm -hmm. But I think that the best strategists figure out ways that we can be a part of the world rather than just preaching or selling something. And I think that that core human truth is, is really important mm -hmm. because that's when people actually start to pay attention and, and care. It's no longer something that you need to buy. It's something that you have to have as, as part of your lifestyle. And I think that the most successful brands definitely capitalize on that. And I keep saying capitalize, but it's, it's a strong it's word. It's so a good just, word. Yeah, it's very powerful. It is. It's very powerful. <laughs> but it's more so just making sure that you know, you're relevant. You're giving people things that they care about because if you're not, you're just noise. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So have you picked up um, any activities outside of work or like any magazines, podcasts, um, anything to keep up on industry trends, current events? Um, do you follow anything? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Google News because it aggregates all the topics that I'm interested in. I also love online forums, so whether it's through Facebook or LinkedIn or the Girl Boss community I'm a part of, I really like communicating with other people that are either entrepreneurs or I recently found this thing called 
uh, it's like lunch lab or lunch box, but it essentially connects you with other people in different industries to learn about them and network with them. So you just meet up on like a blind date, <laughs> blind networking date. Um, but it's really cool to be a part of something like that. I attempted to play on the company softball team, but <laughs> <laughs> I hit the ball backwards in one game and I never went back. <laughs> but so then that actually drove me to join book club because I'm a little bit of a bookworm. So mm-hmm. one of the girls on the data team actually has one and joined that and found a really cool group of women who like to talk about books. And uh, that gives me new perspectives and even like formulating arguments for characters that I liked over someone else helps empower me to you know, speak my mind in presentations or, or group meetings here. So it what, definitely transfers. Okay, what book are you reading now? Right now I'm reading Station Eleven, mm-hmm. which is a science fiction book about a post-apocalyptic world. So. Okay, is it new? Uh, I don't think it's that new. I think it's from early 2000s, but okay. yeah. Is it, that your favorite genre, sci-fi? <laughs> science fiction? Yeah. Uh, no, I really like biographies, or I guess nonfiction. I think those are really cool because I'm really fascinated by people's stories and how they land where they are. I think it's really interesting. The next one on my list is Becoming Michelle Obama. Okay. That's on my list, too. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) Book Club already read that one. I missed out. (laughs) Joined too late. (laughs) So I did some research on you, and I I came across your website. And not just saying this because you're in front of me, but you have, like, one of the best websites that that I've seen. Thank you. At least for someone in the industry, especially for someone who's not uh, creative in a creative role or something. Um, Yeah. It's it's really good. So my question to you is, how long did it take you to build the website? And can you give out any pointers to people who are trying to build their portfolio? Yeah, online? that website was the bane of my existence for about a month. It was actually one of the projects I had to complete as part of my year-long portfolio class in my senior year. Mm-hmm. And I came up with the name first before anything else. So the name is withglee.com. My last name is Gleason, but it's also supposed to represent that Every time I attack a project, I do it with joy and with glee. But if you partner with me, you're going to be with glee. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that it's dynamic in the way that it expresses my personality, but also my ambition. And uh, the website in a total probably took about a month to build out. And I think that when you're building a website, you really should infuse your personality as much as you can. I think there's a difference between smartly showing off your work and being egotistical. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, And so (laughs) I think that to do it in a smart way, you should always put what you're going for. So I'm aiming, or I was at the time, aiming to be a strategist. So all my strategy work was organized in the very first tab that you come across because that's ultimately what I wanted people to see right away and spend time exploring. With that, I grouped all of my campaigns by brand and then explained the strategy behind it and showed the work. And I think that that, giving the thinking behind it is what set it apart because you're not just blindly looking at some copy on Photoshop, you know, Mm -hmm. it has meaning to it, it has depth, and it provokes those people who might be coming across it as part of an interview to ask you about it. Um, Beyond that, I put passion projects on it, like, I was an online writer for the Lala.com, which was a publication catered towards college women for a while, about three years. And then I also really like painting, so I put some of my shoe designs on there just to show that, you know, I have a life. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and then your about me should always go last because ultimately your work should show who you are and what you enjoy and your talents. So I'd say those are my pointers. But for those of you breaking into strategy, I think that having a website or a portfolio with even some of your student work or your side projects, your side hustles, is the most important thing you can do. Because like you said earlier, people expect or anticipate copywriters or art directors to have a portfolio, but they don't anticipate a strategist. Mm -hmm. And so showing them rather than just telling them that you think in this certain way is so cool because you're really proving your point. You're saying, this is what you're going to get if you hire me, and you're showing it outright. So I think it's really, it really makes you stand apart right from the beginning. Great advice. Great Thank advice. You. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you like to paint, yes. and your website does say you're a writer as well as your resume. Um, it seems like you're kind of creative. Kind of creative. <laughs> <laughs> is, is What's your ultimate goal in advertising? Is it to be a creative, or do you, are you, do you want to stick to strategy for your entire career? I love strategy. I fell in love with strategy from probably my sophomore year in college and beyond. At first I actually wanted to be a copywriter and so I pursued that really heavily in the beginning and I was convinced that I was going to be a copywriter but mm -hmm. then I learned that I didn't want to be writing headlines all day but I definitely wanted to contribute to that world. Mm -hmm. I thought that my talents would be better served as an informant rather than someone who delivers on a final concept and strategy is the perfect realm for that. So personally in my career I do not plan on deviating from strategy. I'd actually love to be a CSO, Chief Strategy Officer someday. So I fully just plan on working my way up those levels and and getting to know people along the way that can influence that or change my perspective and, and help with my growth. Yeah. I have this um, saying that I absolutely love. I can't remember who said it, but it says, as I rise, I raise. Mm -hmm. So it's like, as you develop and as you grow and move up the corporate ladder, you're also reaching back behind you and helping pull other people up. And I just think that that's so sweet, I guess, and also really rare that people look behind them and, and mentor down out of their own free will yeah. because, I mean, I truly wouldn't be where I am without the guidance and help of other people. So yeah. I think that that's something I always want to keep in the back of my mind as I, you know, welcome success is to pull others up with me and give them their, their credit and their right to be in the spotlight as well. Okay. You're definitely in a great place to rise. Um, this is a great company, to, in my opinion, to work for. Just like you, I kind of like studied up on the industry, and I had a list of the top agencies, and TBWA Chai Day is always way up there on the list. So um, I definitely think you're in the perfect position to, to rise. Um, with that being said, have you had a chance to meet any of the founders or Lee Clow? <laughs> Lee Clow, <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> Um, so I have not met Lee Clow, but I've admired him from afar, mm -hmm. which sounds kind of creepy right now. <laughs> but he comes in time to time for uh, agency discussions or forums that we all get to talk about the work or maybe like changes that are going on in the agency. And he actually recently retired yeah. in February, mm -hmm. but he's still pretty active. He emails us jokes all the time, which yeah. I... 
I don't know, learning about him from a textbook and then seeing him in real life with that beard, insane. <laughs> um, so I've never said hello to him, but I did get a like from him on one of my Facebook posts. Oh. So I printed it out. <laughs> I'm getting a frame for it. <laughs> nice. Someday, someday I'll introduce myself. Nice. Yeah. So if you can go back in time and talk to your, um, let's say, your sophomore year in college, talk to yourself, okay. give yourself some advice. What would you say, knowing everything you know now? Uh, well, definitely to never let up because if you're if you have a dream and you see a way to get there, go after it. Nothing is too crazy or too grandiose to achieve. Honestly, um, don't ever let a little lack of self confidence or other people dictate your decisions or your career path because it's ultimately up to you. And I think also I would encourage myself maybe to immerse myself in things that are non-traditional or made me a little bit uncomfortable, meaning like Google AdWords or SEO, that world is completely foreign to me. But there are so many components of advertising that go into a campaign, even production. I didn't fully realize the magnitude of that job until I was here and then I was like, oh my God, these producers are so talented, so scrappy phenomenal like just knowing them and seeing what they encounter every single day and I wish that I had exposure to production even in college but I feel like traditionally people learn about accounts and they learn about creative and if you're not going to pick one of those two then advertising's not for you and it's mm -hmm. like that's completely false because anyone who has or a dream even to influence a campaign or work on a brand or has an idea has a place in advertising it's just a matter of finding it and then I discovered strategy and I was like wow this is a job I thought it was not, like I didn't know that there was a place for me that wasn't being a writer and I think that if I hadn't stumbled upon that in college I don't know if I would be in strategy now but I think it's definitely luck and ambition that's gonna get you to where you are Definitely, like I said earlier, networking with your peers. Talk to your professors. Mm -hmm. I'm really close with one of my professors from college. He's always been a supporter of me and really encouraged me to push my work beyond the obvious and beyond, you know, just the first pass at something. And so I think that, yeah, I would definitely go back and try to immerse myself in things that myself I said it like I was more than one person <laughs> myself um, in things that maybe I was scared to attempt because they seemed difficult which is kind of silly because everything's difficult until you do it for the first time true but I would definitely say that okay um, I think that wraps it up so I have one more question for you um, sure. or not necessarily a question but what's the best way listeners can get in touch with you Sure. So you can feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Elena Gleason, A-L-A-N-A. -A -A. And then uh, email me. So it's elena.gleason at gmail.com. Always willing to connect with new folks and answer questions. Elena, thank you so much. Thank you. No problem. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at Academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. And you can follow me personally. My handle on all social platforms is at Justin D. Barnett. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.